welcome to Disastrous. This, yes, welcome. This is the show where we talk about um, just nightmare scenarios, just absolute mm-hmm. keep you up at night, no sleep sleep, uh, mm-hmm. uh-oh, there are 20 dead cockroaches under my bed nightmares. Oh. Dude, I had oh. that. <laughs> I had that nightmare the other day. Oh, my God. And I was like... Bug nightmares are the oh, worst. Oh my! Because like you wake up and you're like, it could be true. Yeah. Like, like was it a dream? Yeah. I should check. I, I should just check. I also <laughs> like that it's like dead cockroaches instead of living ones. <laughs> I know. I was like dead. Because then okay, I'm like, I mean, where'd they come from? How did I not see them? Yeah, but I mean, at least they're dead, and you don't have yeah. to like catch them. Oh my God! Now Ugh. my now my feet feel icky. <laughs> I know, and my hands just started to sweat. Um, <laughs> yes, we are the um, the historical version of um, your dog pooped in your apartment and your cat turned on the Roomba. I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. Uh, do you want to tell me your story first? I want to tell you my story. Um, yes. The strikes are going on right now with the WGA and mm-hmm. uh, SAG-AFTRA, and, you know, I inadvertently I don't think I planned to do this but I kind of inadvertently also did a story about kind of like labor laws great and some real fucked up shit surrounding that okay all right you ready I mean I I was like I love me some labor laws baby (laughs) you know like I could talk about that shit all day I'm just gonna read you like the state department or the secretary of labor most recent press release (laughs) Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> um, no, instead, I'm going to tell you a story that I'm like 98% sure that everyone learned about in middle school and then probably again in high school. It's one of those. Okay. Uh, but it's also one of those stories where I read it and I was like, oh, this is worse than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a story where it's like one bad thing happens. And then, of course, another bad thing happens. And then, of, of course. course, and you're just like, duh. <laughs> Why duh. stop now, baby? No. Why? That's a, we're on a roll. Yeah, whatever. Who even? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all, right. all right. So let's start off with the tale of two men, uh, unfortunately. Always. It always is. <laughs> Isaac Harris and Max Blank immigrated from Russia to the U.S. in the 1890s. As a side note, I think this is also when my either great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather also immigrated to the U.S. from Russia. Nice. Yeah. Um, Probably knew each other. Yeah, right? I think all Jews from Russia know each other. (laughs) Right? Everybody knows each other. (laughs) Oh, you're from Wisconsin? Oh, my God. My cousin's from Wisconsin. Do you know each other? What? No. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But like my, I can't remember if it's my great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather. My mother will let me know shortly. Like my my ancestor, uh, Isaac Harris and Max Blank were also Jewish. I'm assuming they're escaping the pogroms, which were going on in Russia at the time. So there were a lot of Jewish-Russian immigrants at that time. So they started working in the garment industry separately. They meet each other a few years later in New York City in their 20s. And a beautiful professional partnership is built. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> um, they would soon come to be known as the Shirtwaist Kings 
of New York City. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And in 1900, <laughs> they founded the Triangle Waste Company. Yup. <laughs> so, so when you were saying you were going to do something about unions, I was like, damn, I hope she does triangle shirtwaist because yeah i hope yeah. that's what she's gonna be doing because <laughs> i'm gonna be like hey is it kind of like that one case <laughs> <laughs> you're like remember that one kind of famous thing that happened um <laughs> so alarm bells should be going off in your head listener as they did in amanda's head uh mm. we are talking about the triangle shirtwaist factory fire um i i know you might be thinking as i was what the fuck is a shirtwaist Right? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> that should be the first question everybody asks. I, like, dude. A shirtwaist? What, what, what is that? Is it a belt? I will say, I remember being in middle school and being like, no, no, no. I know why this is important, but I need you to tell me what a shirtwaist is first. Hey, pull up a I picture. Can't. Pull up, like anything. If you can explain to me, like, oh, it's like a cummerbund, but like different. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, okay. I'm going to hyper fixate on this unless you yes. tell me. So yes. for my learning, you need to tell me. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a very important piece of this story. Yeah. It's in the title. So it's kind of like that, uh, like Victorian era blouse that has kind of like the puffy shoulders and the skinny arms, they're a little bit closer to, like, a men's button-down, and mm-hmm. they're a little bit looser. Okay. And, of course, this is so that the modern woman can kind of move around a little easier, and without a corset in the way, um, it's easier to exploit her labor. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn corsets, they're getting in the way of us oppressing women, okay? Innovation. We need to talk talk to the corset guys. Get them out of here. Innovation just comes from, like, being like, well, hey, can we exploit women just as much as we exploit men? Right? If they're able to move their arms around more, (laughs) definitely more exploitation. Um, and Blank and Harris loved exploiting their laborers. Cute. <laughs> so, yeah, right? Really cute look for them. <laughs> in 1902, they moved their factory to the newly built Ash Building in Greenwich Village, which is right by Washington Square Park, and the building still exists. Um, they started off only on the eighth floor, and eventually they expanded to the ninth floor, and then also they got the tenth floor as well. Uh, they employed about 500 workers. Mostly, and that's like at a time, not just like, (laughs) it's not like there are 30 people who work at this restaurant with me, but I only receive five of them. It's like 500 at a time. Like in the building, like from the hours of, okay, perfect. Yeah. Sounds like a lot. It sounds like. It's, some would argue maybe too many. I would say, yeah, I would be like, I don't know what the space exactly looks like, uh, but feels like a lot. So this is mostly young Italian Jewish immigrant women. Um, not Italian Jewish, Italian and Jewish immigrant women. Come on. Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Yes, got it. Uh, women and girls. And then there were also men working there as well, also mostly immigrant men. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some sources that say that employees work 9 to 12 hours every day, uh, which is a, <laughs> no. a lot. <laughs> not that. And, uh, you know, not just that. It's six days a week. These guys? Are you yeah. kidding me? But don't worry. Don't worry. They were nice because they only had to work seven hours on Saturday a lot of the time. 
Oh my. Okay, thank God. I thought you were going to tell me something really bad. Uh, no, no, no. That changes everything. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, oh, and don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay because they got paid like shit. Oh, oh, sorry. I totally forgot to tell you they did. Yeah, they, well, they did. Oh, man. I hate being right about this stuff. So 52 hours a week, just about. You want to guess how much they got paid? Oh you can God, either guess in, in like nowadays money or back then money. Okay, I'm going to guess in nowadays money, $400 a week. About 191 to 327 <gasps> Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's so bad. So at the time, they were taking home in hand 7 to $12. You're not even making a 20 Oh my God. You can't. You yeah. can't buy anything with that. No. Well, the shirt, the shirts themselves, one of the reasons Blank and Harris got so big was because they, it was, it was fast fashion, basically. Um, they were yeah. pulling a Shein. They were selling them for cheap. So it was a $3 yeah. shirt. It's like, well, your employees have to spend half their paycheck on one of your fucking shirts. On one shirt. Insane. Oh my God. I... I hate, I, hate, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I could talk about this all day, but I fucking I don't like this. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. So, 1909, the International Ladies' Garment Workers' Union. Incredible group name. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I was like, just put all the words in there. Yeah. <laughs> what are we related to? <laughs> Women, garments, labor. Uh- <laughs> Internationally. <laughs> um. So they, they, you know, kind of not hosted. That's the wrong word. You don't host a strike. Inspired <laughs> a strike? Yeah. Held a strike? Uh, yeah, held. Ho- uh, I, I kind of like host hosted. It sound like a party. <laughs> yeah, right now the WGA is hosting a strike. Oh my God. I'm I'm trying to envision like you host a strike, like you host a party. And I'm like, everyone's got a glass of rosé. And they're just... Fran Drescher is like, fuck this. Yeah. We're not going back to work, okay? (laughs) So they, uh, this ILGWU, led a strike. They were asking for higher pay, shorter hours, and also, like, more predictable hours. Because I think, like, sometimes the rug got pulled out from under them a lot. And they're like, just Yeah, kidding. sometimes they, you get called at 2 o'clock in the morning. They're like, we need you at the factory at 3. You're like, what? Um, and there were some businesses that were actually listening to these concerns. I mean, it was the 1900s. Things weren't awesome. But there were some. However, Blank and Harris, instead what they did was hired policemen as thugs to toss picketers in jail and paid off politicians to look the other way. Oh, my God. The... Mm, gentlemen... Gentlemen, listen, I and I mean, what is your motive here? Just to make more money, right? Like yeah. it's it's just to make more money. Mm-hmm. It And so when you go to bed at night, you're like, you did a good job today. Mm-hmm. They won't they won't be messing with us anymore. You mm-hmm. think you can strike? Nah, OK, good night, sweetheart. Like, They're going to their like New Jersey, Westchester homes, mansions. Yep. And they have the the balls to kiss their wives. Mm-hmm. 
And they're like, no, sweetheart, I would never exploit you like that. Like telling their kids bedtime stories, being like, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up because Uh you're not one of those gross poros like my workers. (laughs) (laughs) You're daddy's little rich girl. (laughs) Daddy's little rich girl. You're probably never going to have to work. But if you did, don't work for me. Yeah. It's it's not fun. No. I can tell you. Um. And we know that, unfortunately, poor working conditions led to a total tragedy in this case. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. The day of Saturday, March 25th, 1911. The workday is actually winding down at this point. It's 4.40 p.m. And a fire flares up in a scrap bin under one of the cutters tables on the eighth floor of the Ash Building. Okay. So the bin in question had about two months worth of accumulated cuttings. Okay. So they just hadn't emptied it for two months, I guess. Um, That's a long time not to empty the garbage, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) So there's fabric all around. There's two months worth of fabric in the bin. There are wooden tables. There's electronic machinery. Basically, the only thing that was not highly flammable was the steel trim. Right. Yeah. It's like, let's throw all the flammable stuff in here. I think, do we have some gas cans that we could, yeah. or like oil drums? We could just, I mean, we don't have to use them for anything, just maybe like as props. You guys were like complaining about not having like an employee table. Look, I got you an oil drum. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy You're your lunch. welcome. <laughs> so, um... The fire marshal concluded that it was probably an unextinguished match or cigarette. Uh, I was from, wondering. I was yeah. like, because scraps don't just like. No, combust. not usually. Um, smoking was banned in the factory. They weren't allowed to smoke in the factory. But a lot of the time workers would like sneak cigarettes and blow the smoke out like into their collar. Like, you know, eighth graders do in English class. Um, yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> when like, they or jewel. when you're trying to vape in a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, like if I worked in a factory 50 hours a week and got paid like garbage, mm, I'd mm-hmm. be sneaking as many cigarettes as I wanted. I would oh, probably yeah. be stealing shirts. Like, Well, if funny that you mentioned that. You might know because you know the story. One of the problems that comes up is that there were locked doors. <gasps> no. Okay, so we don't know. Okay, we'll get to it. I forgot. But- the reason they locked the doors was to prevent smoke breaks that were, like, unauthorized. And so there was only, like, one exit at the end of the night so that they could check the women's purses oh. and make sure they weren't stealing. Motherfuckers. Just, Which let is like, me, just let me smoke and steal shirts. Hey. I already do so much of this place. Hey, I wonder why people steal things, though. Could it be because you're not paying them a livable wage? You're not paying them and they could steal one shirt and put it in their... <laughs> You know, underwear and be like, hey, I'm using a really big sanitary napkin today <laughs> and then sell it for half the day's wages. Like half the damn. week's wages. Like, goddamn. Oh, wait. OK, damn. That's worse. No, it ugh. crime is not an isolated event. No. Most of the time. Right. There are exceptions, but most of the time. Yep. Um, Smoke them if you got them, girls. Yeah. So this is the most prominent theory, the cigarette theory. But it's also worth noting that the owners, Blank and Harris, had previously had four suspicious fires at other companies. In 
Interesting. And there were patterns among the garment industry for factories to just go up in smoke if a style fell out of fashion so that they could collect on insurance. Right. Would you burn your whole building down, though, to... People would. Wow. Okay. So it's... I don't think people really think that that's the case in this instance, just because, like, the loss of life was so crazy high. And I saw one source that said that their children were actually visiting on that day. Um, Mm. But then that wasn't corroborated anywhere else. But even, like, even if they weren't burning down their building on that day intentionally, they were intentionally not installing sprinklers and not following following through on fire safety measures because then if they did want to burn shit down, no, nothing's going to stop yeah. it. Who's going to put it out? Like, yeah. Not the sprinklers that we didn't install. There was um, a hose that a manager tried to use and it was rotted and the valve was rusted shut. What? Mm-hmm. That can happen? I guess. I guess 1911 hose is that's, probably not. <laughs> I will say that's another kids. one that I only saw in one source. And I'm thinking okay. to myself now and I'm like, wait, it was a newly renovated building. So that one might be wrong. But Right. Okay. Right. It, it adds to the, the story. So, <laughs> so fire starts at 4.40 p.m. The fire alarm is sent at about 4.45 p.m. Not by the building, but by a passerby who saw smoke. Jeez. Which is... Damn, the uh, 19, 1911, man. That's fucking bonkers. Seriously. Like, but they didn't have, like... and Probably didn't have, like, fire alarms, right? That somebody could pull no, I don't think from so, inside no. the building? Yeah. No. Um, there was a bookkeeper on the eighth floor, which is where the fire started. And he was able to telephone up to the tenth floor to kind of let them okay. know. That's great. That's great yeah. to have that heads up. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was no way of contacting the ninth floor for some reason. There was no phone. Um, and there was no audible alarm. Okay, awesome. Uh, <laughs> bye-bye, ninth floor. Yeah. That is kind of like where the majority of the fatalities happen are on the ninth floor. Yeah. So, uh, survivor Yetta Lubbett says that the warning of the fire on the ninth floor arrived at the same time as the fire itself. It's yep. like, ding dong, knock knock, fire. Yep. It's like, <laughs> hmm, I feel hot. What do you think that is? Oh, bring, bring. Oh. <laughs> I'm always hot in this building because um, they don't have any air circulation and there are 200 of us, but this is more <laughs> than usual. <laughs> yeah, it's a little extra in the bag. So there are a number of exits on the ninth floor. We kind of already touched on this a bit. There are two freight elevators that are down a long, narrow hallway. Um, There is a fire escape out the window, and there are two stairways. One of the stairways to Green Street and one to Washington Place. So the flames are climbing up the stairway to Green Street. So, yeah. Um, so, So that's not a reliable exit. At this right, point. Yeah. Don't go that way. <laughs> um, and the door to the Washington Place stairway, as we said, was locked. Shit. Okay, so what, fire escape? Um, is the only option? 
fire escape hallway and then also there were a lot of people who climbed up the green street stairway they were able to get like ahead of the fire a bit um and get to the roof where i think they were like jumping to roofs of other buildings (laughs) i'm pretty sure i mean (laughs) spider-man style also like it's the city all the roofs are pretty close (laughs) right right it's like if you if it's like 10 feet in between like i'm gonna try it yeah I'm definitely going to try. I might not make it, but I'm going to try it. Yeah, Um, exactly. But within three minutes, that whole stairwell was unusable in either direction. So you can't go up, you can't go down. So fire escape. There's one single exterior fire escape. Usually the city would actually require a third stairway, but the Ash Mm -hmm. building somehow got away with this fire escape instead. Did somebody (laughs) get paid off? Fucking probably. Um, The fire escape was flimsy as hell. It was poorly anchored. And there's actually suspicion that it might have been broken before the fire even started. Oh, God. Anyways. It's worse and worse. That's what I'm telling you. Everything I read, I was like, oh, and another thing. Uh, (gasps) And everybody made it out safely, alive. No. 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 So. That's not. The stairway did kind of quickly twist and collapse from the heat. So I think some people got down that way, but not many. And it collapsed and 20 people who were on the stairway fell. To... On, the, on the fire escape? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the most surprisingly kind of like air quote successful escape route was the freight elevators, which, yeah. yeah. Um. There were two men, Joseph Zito and Gaspar Mortiaro. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were the elevator operators, and they were fucking, like, doing the work. They were... Yeah? Here, like, I consider fucking heroes. Nice. They took... So, like, they were doing the work, but also, like, other circumstances made it hard. So they were able to do four trips, which like four trips going up to a fucking burning floor. Wow. Is remarkable. That is, I mean, how often do you see like even firefighters go back and forth into a fire like that many times? Yeah. Jeez. Um, But the elevators only held 12 people and eventually Mm. they broke down again because like, the heat is buckling the rails and then people were also like jumping down the elevator shaft and oh. that kind of warped the the elevator car. Which yeah. Is yeah. Fucking sad. It'll warp the car. It will put like a extra like stress, even if mm. the like that cable isn't yeah. already melting. Yeah. Then oh my God. Oh yeah. but like I I get it. I'm like I would yeah, I mean, it's no, it's truly an unimaginable, impossible situation. Like, yeah. you're what, just like survive, survive, no matter like whatever it yeah. takes, survive. Like, yeah, oh. try some way out. So <sighs> the fire apartment arrives pretty quickly, um, mm-hmm. but they are not much use in getting people out because the ladders only reached the seventh floor. Oh, what? Did these two did these two motherfuckers like do that intentionally? Too? <laughs> intentionally, they're like, "Hey, here's an idea. We put the factory on the eighth floor because fuck 
fire ladders only reach the seventh floor. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mm. fucking put it past them. I, mm. <laughs> Something stinks. But that stinks. Bonkers. Bonkers. How high? Like, how high do ladders go nowadays? Ten stories, maybe. God, I don't oh, know. that's still so sh- short when you think about how tall buildings are. <laughs> I know. In this fucking city. Dude, I actually, so, like, this is kind of a side note. I actually, like, almost went down my fire escape the other day because I was <laughs> Intentionally or work. accidentally? Uh, intentionally. I had, like, opened the window and I was, like, because you know how, like, for the fire escape, the ladder is pulled, like, mm-hmm. up, right? So you can't access it from the street. But I was locked in my apartment and I had to go to work. So I'm, like, I can't get the deadbolt open stop it was just stuck and i was like what the hell and so i'm like i i'm like okay well i could go out the fire escape uh that means i'd have to drop the ladder down and like get it back up and i was like all right all right all right get a wrench and i got like a wrench and i pried the deadbolt and i got out and i was like whoo that would have been i would have hated going down that fire escape though i don't trust them i don't trust them i I don't trust them (laughs) i don't like them i don't like it one bit I look at that rusted ass ladder and I'm like, nope, no, nope. thank you. <laughs> but what if it's rusted but covered in paint? Mm-hmm. Oh, now, <laughs> hey, so you can't now, see the rust. Now you know what your building's up to code. Now that you've done that, <laughs> thank you. All right, so then what happens? So the seventh, it reaches the seventh floor, and so the firefighters are just out there being like, well, well, sure, yes, uh. <laughs> Just uh, head back to the station house and make some spaghetti. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. is chili night? Is uh, John <laughs> making chili? Um, so people, unfortunately, like as we know as New Yorkers who mm-hmm. know about like September 11th, people mm-hmm. start jumping um, mm-hmm. because that's either a way to kind of be like get it over quickly or Mm -hmm. they think like this could be a way out either way you know yeah Yeah. um there is uh an estimated 62 deaths from falling um there were life nets used to catch them but mostly they were ineffectual there was one case where three girls jumped at the same time and ripped the net oh shit yeah what are those nets made out of pantyhose I know. <laughs> what the hell? I think I know. Like life nets now are made out of like, like flexible steel or something. Yeah, no. So you're like not getting through there. Yeah. It's wow. Yeah. Oh, um, can you imagine like the relief that you're just like, yay, we're going to get caught by this net. We're going to survive and then just tear right through. And that's what I'm saying about like every part of this story is like, oh, something's going right. Oh, no, it's going terribly Never wrong. Never mind. No. Um, the fire only lasted 30 minutes, so the firefighters were able to put it out, you know, um, but 30 minutes is enough. Um, in total, 146 garment workers died. Uh, 123 of them were women or young girls. 23 of them were men. Most of them were recent immigrants. The youngest were two girls, Kate Leone and Rosaria Maltese, who were both 14. Oh, yeah. Poor babies. They should not have been at work. They should have been at school. No, that's a freshman in high school. Such a little baby. That's such a baby. 
They're trying to vape in English class. They shouldn't be yeah. working. Let them vape in English class. You heard it here, folks. Let them vape in English class. <laughs> Let kids vape. <laughs> That's not my platform. That's really what we're trying to tell you here is. <laughs> um, Everything you've heard today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our takeaway. So there were uh, bodies taken to Charity Pier to be identified. There were six victims that remained identif- unidentified for like years. Like really? a few decades. And then there was a historian named Michael Hirsch who went back through newspapers and missing persons and all these sources and was able to give them their names back, was able to identify wow. them. All six. Yeah. That's wild. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, like, that's really cool. I know. <laughs> what an interesting mean, project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I mean, like, I don't know if I would ever wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? Nobody's looked into for a while. <laughs> it's like an old ass fire. I bet I could, I bet I could figure it out. Hey, I know it's been 40 years, but let me dig this back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it was kind of just like, I need a new challenge. My yeah, puzzles I mean, are getting boring. <laughs> it's like I can't do another crossword. Just not gonna Will Shorts doesn't even exist yet. I don't think. <laughs> or he's a little baby. Um, <laughs> so they are now buried together in the cemetery of the Evergreens, which is in Brooklyn, and it's underneath a monument to the tragedy. So, last section. Outcome. Give it to me, baby. We Let's love and it. hate to see it. So I'm going to give you options. Do you want... Okay. Do you want, like, hey, that's a pretty cool way to deal with this, and I'm proud first? Or do you want motherfucker fuck you first? Uh, I want the motherfucker fuck you first. All right, and then proud second. Yeah. <laughs> so, the owners, Blank and Harris, we started off with them. We got to bring them back. Um, mm-hmm. These two virtuous, moral, really incredible, enterprising individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> winners of humanitarian awards yeah all around nobel peace prize <laughs> um, so they survived the day of they were on the 10th floor which was reserved for admin mostly um and they were you know remember given that phone call so they were able to get up to the building's roof uh on april 11th which is about a week or two after they were indicted on charges of first and second degree manslaughter. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let them know. Let's begin. Trial begins in December. And lucky for them, and unfortunately for us and the uh, family members of the victims, they had a good lawyer. Uh, of course they did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, of course I did. It's like money can... Can buy you... Fucking anything. Really just the best. So defense attorney Max Stauer was able to destroy the credibility of one of the survivors. He had asked her to like repeat her testimony a few times. And uh-huh. there were key phrases that weren't changed. So they were like, oh, she memorized a testimony. Yeah, she was coached. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like, well, if she was coached, what if all these other witnesses are coached, right? i don't know that seems really speculative though like yeah exactly just because you say the same thing in the certain way like you have any any idea how many times i say the exact same thing in the exact same way yeah it's called doing a bit 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. It's like, learn something about people. Um, Maybe she was a comedian. And it's also that same thing of like, after like someone's loved one is murdered and then they're like, you're not sad enough or you're too sad. You're putting on a show or Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. It's like. I, I mean, again, I don't know enough to really be saying anything definitively, but that feels very, like, unsturdy. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and that actually is why, because there's, like, no one way to grieve, um, mm. like, people have been put away because they, were like, weren't sad enough or they weren't acting as if they missed their spouse. So it's all circumstantial and, like... Um, they will be put away on circumstantial evidence because they didn't act sad enough. So I think it's one of those things that nowadays we definitely are like, there's people grieve in different ways. Yeah. Leave it. You know, like we all have our own shit going on in our heads. Like you cry, you don't cry, you laugh, uh, you say I murdered my wife. You know, we all grieve in these different ways. (laughs) You confess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you confess, you don't confess. It's like, oh, oh, and it's washed. So the other thing was that the investigation proved definitively that the door to the Washington Place stairway was locked, which was illegal Mm. at the time to lock a door in the middle of the workday. But but good old Max Stower was able to argue that the owners didn't know. How were they to know it was locked? (sighs) Which... Gets me I mean, so mad. It, is he, was he implying that somebody else had locked it? There were like floor managers and there was actually a foreman who had the key who had like escaped quick early. And that's why uh. he couldn't fucking unlock the door for everyone else. So he was implying that like the foreman did it on his own accord. Also seems uh, shaky <laughs> at best, but okay. And I'm also so tired of this, like, incompetence, like, like using Defense. incompetence like this. Because yeah. it's like, if shit went right, they're like, yeah, we built an empire of shirt waists. And then, like, <laughs> when shit goes wrong, you're like, I'm just a little baby. I don't know how to run a factory. I don't know. I just, I just come in, I wear my tie, and then I eat my lunch and I go home. I'm just a... I'm just a baby. I don't even know how doors work. <laughs> if you're willing to accept credit, you're you should be willing to accept blame. That's just yeah, how I see it. So, um he didn't do his job good enough for us, but he did do his job good enough for a jury. The two owners were acquitted and found not guilty. Ah, and we've that's... seen this before, right though? Like okay. Sometimes public cases don't work out, but the civil suits do. Individual mm-hmm. family members will sue and maybe get some money out of it. Uh, and that just happened. In 1913, a case was brought against them. They were found uh, liable for wrongful death. And all the plaintiffs were awarded a compensation of $75 per deceased victim. Okay. But. <laughs> I'm like, but... I don't know how much money that is, uh, well, if they were making $12 a week, it's mm. what, like six weeks about of work? Okay. Yeah. So, so. probably a couple thousand in nowadays. Uh. But the other thing is that they had they had collected insurance on the building. 
and they received $60,000 in lost revenue, which breaks down to about $400 per casualty. Oh. So why why do they get to keep that? <laughs> they just get to keep it. They mm-hmm. just they're like, I want a new in-ground pool. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, all we can give you is 75 per yeah. lost person. So if you're lucky and you lost multiple family members, yeah. then maybe you'll get like 150. Yeah, if you lost your wife and your two daughters, it's your lucky day, my guy. Congrats! Like, <laughs> what the f- get fucked. Yeah, truly. Oh. Um, but they never worked again, right? Their reputations were ruined, right? Yeah, they went. The company went bankrupt or something. Mm, no, opened up. <laughs> Hannah, open. Mm, nope, nope. <laughs> opened up another factory within weeks. Uh, it was found to again not be fireproof. Did not have adequate exits or fire escapes. And then in August of 1913, two years after the Triangle Shirtwaist factory fire. Max Blank, one of the owners, was charged with locking the doors of the factory during working hours. No way! <laughs> like a French like, toast? What? The, genuinely, the audacity. The audacity. The, how, how come middle schoolers all over this fucking country of ours can learn from your mistakes, but you can't? Yeah. They're just like, Hey, it worked well the last time. So so we just, uh, from the top, we just do it again. Same thing. So he's charged, right? He goes to court. He is only charged the minimum fine, which is $20. And the judge apologizes for the inconvenience. Stop. What is happening? This is like the least accountability I've maybe, I mean, besides the like act of God shit. <laughs> I'm furious. Oh <laughs> like I can't. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Um if these motherfuckers were still alive, I'd be like, we got to Let's show go. Up at their houses. I got I let's got my go. car. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> we're going to send a message today, homie. Yeah. We're going to New Jersey. <laughs> we're going to s- the suburbs of Jersey. Um <laughs> In 1918, the partners finally went their separate ways, insisting until the end that their factories were always safe. Oh. <laughs> Just admit it. Admit that you're arsonist murderers. Just say it. What's so hard about that? Just say it or write it in a letter and let it be released on your deathbed. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so, finally the kind of painfully proud part this was a really big wake-up call for a lot of people um you know almost 150 deaths yeah i hope it's a fucking wake-up call uh Mm -hmm. it's a kick in the ass so uh rose schneiderman who was a socialist and a union activist kind of empowered unions to start being like more aggressive and to really like start being more cohesive and i think a lot of union efforts really increased and then on the other side, there was actually a lot of political reform. So yeah. wow, um, which in, is great. Yeah, I hate that it takes this Death. kind of like mass casualty to yeah. to get there. But. Yeah. So there was a committee of public safety formed in New York City, and it was headed by uh, Frances Perkins. 
She was an eyewitness to the fire, and she would also later become the U.S. Secretary of Labor, making her the first woman to ever serve in a presidential cabinet. Yes, queen! Get it! I love that! (laughs) Yay, Francis! Hell yeah! Her committee committee was tasked with identifying specific problems and lobbying for new legislation. New York State also created Factory Investigating Commission, which... Mm -hmm investigated factories great (laughs) as a a commission cool that's perfect i was confused actually by the name (laughs) that makes me really happy but also now i have trust issues and i'm like yeah but are they are they investigating they were between 1911 and 1913 they suggested 64 new laws and not only yeah okay i love that and 60 of them were legislated which is like okay, all right. a pretty good number. <laughs> all right, I'll get I'll I'll give that to you. Nice, <laughs> nice work, guys. <laughs> there was also um, New York City Fire Chief John Kenlin, and he and his department identified more than two hundred factories where the conditions made a fire like the one at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory possible. Which I'm mm-hmm. like, sure, wish we had been investigating more before, Fire Chief, Mr. Yeah, fire Chief. For real. <laughs> He's like, damn, I haven't had to do anything in like 20 years. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that, you're right. Get the car. We'll go. Sure. Oh, I guess this fire escape isn't up to code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You so, have my tape? Hand me my tape. <laughs> <laughs> I got a staple gun. <laughs> <laughs> there were laws that were passed that required better building access and egress, fireproofing requirements, fire extinguishers, alarms and auto sprinklers, better eating and toilet facilities for workers, so just like better you know human conditions, um and a limit on the number of hours that women and children could work. Uh at the very end of it all, New York state became one of the most progressive states in terms of labor reform. Yay! Good job, New York. I mean, way to learn. The, way to learn. This shit that we were just discussing, horrific, terrifying, not no, no good, but an improvement was made. So yeah, we're proud. We tip our hats. <laughs> I doff my cap. Oklahoma is still under the <laughs> the previous New York. They're like, you guys had it right in the 1910s. <laughs> Um, but yes, that is the probably, uh, hopefully more detailed story of Blank and Harris and their Triangle Shirtwaist Factory and its fire. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for that. was a wild ride. Uh, my hands were sweating the <laughs> whole way through. And I'm like, oh my God, get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. What are we going to do? Oh. I know. Um yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, we learn some things or we don't. We just pay mm-hmm. a really good lawyer to let us get away with things, which I guess Bruh. is also learning. But that man, Mm-mm. I'm done with that man. Done. I'm like, congrats on being good at your fucking job, I guess. Well, uh, do you want to tell everybody where to uh, rate, review, find, subscribe, all that good yes. stuff? Yes, Absolutely. Um, if you want to email us and tell me that I did a better job than your middle school history teacher, you can do that Yo. at disastrouspod at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at disastrouspod. We are on 
TikTok at DisastrousLeePod with an L-Y. Um, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, you know, love on iTunes always helps out. Send this one to a pal. Send this one to the bitch you sat next to in history class who wouldn't let you share <laughs> her pencils. Um, and be like, this one's for you, Cynthia. Cynthia. I... <laughs> I hope you have a lifetime of making shirt waists. I don't know. <laughs> Just old shirts. <laughs> shirt Just old space shirt. waist. <laughs> Cynthia's not going to know what that means, but we will. <laughs> All right. Well, again, this has been disastrous. I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And we love you and respect you. And we will catch you on the flippy floppy. Bye. Bye.